Well, we're excited to get into the Word of God this morning, so it's my pleasure for the very first time to welcome out as our senior pastor, Pastor Greg. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning, church. Good morning to all our friends and guests who might be here for the first time this morning and maybe... Maybe you're watching for the first time. I want to thank you for joining us uh, for worship. Well, my name is Greg, if I haven't met you personally, and um, just one of the servants here. And uh, today, what I want to do is I want to answer a question that I've been getting a lot. Um, one of the most common questions I've been getting the past couple weeks, even a couple months, is the question, Greg, how do you feel? How do you feel? Are you, are you ready for this? Do you think you have what it takes to carry this church? Well, I want to answer that question in today's message. I'm titling this message, My First Message. My First Message. Because it's my first message as your senior pastor, but what I want to do is I want to bring you back to my first, first message. The first gospel message I ever preached. I want to share with you uh, about that message and what God taught me because I, I believe what I learned in that first message 20 years ago, in the past, has prepared me for this moment in the present. So I'm going to show you from John chapter 6 uh, what the Lord taught me, and that's where we'll be this morning. So before we get to John chapter 6, I want to invite you to pray with me. Let's, let's come before the Lord in prayer and ask him to teach us this morning, all right? Would you join me? Oh, Father God, I thank you so much for your faithfulness to your people. God, we've seen it here at South Bay Community Church for the past 30 years, your goodness, your favor, your blessing. And God, we just look forward for decades more until Christ comes again. Lord, your goodness, your blessing, and your favor, God. We're excited, and I pray that as we go into your word and we look at Jesus, Lord, that you would uh, get us even more excited than we've ever been to know you and to make you known. So, Lord, would you speak to us this morning through your word? I pray that more than anything else, we'd hear not from a man, but we'd hear from you, your Holy Spirit. And would you change our lives, each one of us, change our lives forever. And so I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, Greg, how do you feel? Do you feel ready? Are you ready for this? And to answer that question, I want to take you back to 2003. It's 20 years ago, and uh, if you've never heard my story, because I know some of you guys are newer to the church, but it was in 2003 that I had graduated college for about a year at that point, and for the first time in my life, even though I grew up in church, I decided to read the entire Bible from cover to cover. If you've never done it before, I want to challenge you to, to, to do it. Try it this week. And so I decided to read the Bible from cover to cover, and as I did throughout that year, I just saw over and over and over again God's heart for the lost, his heart to make the gospel known to all the nations, to make his son Jesus Christ known that he came to die, to rise, so that he could save. And so as I saw that over and over again, I couldn't escape that truth, I began to pray this prayer in 2003, I said, God, would you just use me? to reach many, many people with the gospel. Help me to tell, 
tell many, many people about Jesus. And I didn't know what that looked like. I had no ambitions or dreams. I wasn't a preacher, never taught um, the word of God. I wasn't an evangelist. I wasn't in the practice of sharing my gospel. I just knew that this mattered to God, and so I wanted it to matter to me. So throughout that year, occasionally, it wasn't like every day, but I would just pray that prayer. It was quite an innocent prayer. But just a little bit of background, in the early 2000s, my dad had been going to this homeless shelter in Long Beach Rescue Mission called, uh, in Long Beach called the Long Beach Rescue Mission. And he'd go every month with a group of people to minister to the, uh, to the homeless and people who came to that shelter and they would just share the gospel every month. And he had always wanted me to get involved. He said, Greg, come with us, come with us. And my answer was always like, nope, not for me. Not for me. Why? Because I had been there once before, and I saw what it was like. You have people coming in from homelessness and brokenness into that place to be fed and to find shelter. But before they could go get their meal, their dinner, they were required to sit through an hour-long chapel service. And that's where these churches and these pastors would come in and preach the gospel before they can go get their meal. And a lot of them didn't really care to hear the word of God. They didn't really want to be there. Some of them did, but a lot of them didn't. And so I knew what it was like. And I was like, nah, that is not for me. And so in 2003, believe it or not, my dad gets this call to move up to San Francisco to pastor a church up in San Francisco. So he's going to be moving up. And I remember one night, we're at the dinner table, and it's my mom, it's my dad, it's, it's me, we're eating, and my dad says, hey, Greg, you know that I'm about to move up to San Francisco. He says, I, I really want you to go preach at the Long Beach Rescue Mission. And my eyes just began to well up in tears. And those tears went from just tears to a real cry. I mean, I was crying, and I, I'm sure my dad had no idea what was going on. We've never really talked about that moment, but I'm sure he's wondering, why is my 23-year-old son crying at the dinner table? Why is he crying right now? And I don't know if he knew the magnitude of what was going on in that moment. He probably had no idea, but I was welling up with tears because I realized that this is what I had been asking for opportunities to share Jesus with many, many people. But as I was realizing this is what I had been asking for, this is not what I was asking for. The Long Beach Rescue Mission was not what I had in mind. And so these tears were not tears of joy and they were not tears of gratitude. Thank you, Lord. These were tears of terror, tears of insecurity, because this is not what I was asking for. He was answering my prayers but I wanted to run. See, the Long Beach Rescue Mission, I've seen it before. Men come in, they're 40 years old, 50 years old, 60, sometimes even 70 years old. At the time, I was this 23-year-old kid, fresh out of college. I was green, right? And not just any college, but UC Irvine. Can I remind you that Irvine was ranked the safest city in the United States, fact check me on this, since the early 2000s, for 17 years in a row, Irvine was the safest city in the United States. And I'm supposed to go as this fresh green graduate from Irvine to Long Beach to tell these guys who have gone through 
marriages, sometimes two marriages, sometimes divorce, who have gone through prison and addictions to drugs and alcohol, who experienced homelessness, they've had kids and grandkids. I'm supposed to go as a kid to tell them how to live, to tell them what they need in life. This is what I looked like when I was 24. This is not even 23. Let me show you a picture. That's what I look like. This cheesy kid is supposed to go tell these men how to live their life. And I'm telling you, this insecurity welled up in me as my dad told me to go preach to them because I felt like this kid has nothing good to offer. There's nothing really good that I can give to these people. And so at that dinner table, I cried. I cried like a big kid. As we look at John chapter 6, I want to show you how God can even use a little kid to feed the multitudes and give the people what they really need. So John chapter 6, if you're with me, I'm going to read through this story. I'm going to take you through this story. Then I'll stop here and there to just give a little commentary. But let's start from verse 4. Here's where the story picks up. It says, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, one of his disciples, he says, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself, Jesus knew himself what he would do. So pause right there. So the story goes, Jesus is with his 12 disciples, and he looks up, and there's a crowd of people, a multitude. He tells us in verse 10, there were 5,000 men. That's not including the women and children who are there. So there's a lot more than 5,000, but the, the point is there's this huge crowd, and Jesus says, how are we going to feed these people? Where are we going to find bread to feed everybody who needs to be fed? But let me give you a hint. When Jesus asked that question, he's not at a loss of how these people are going to be fed. He's not trying to figure it out. What he's really doing is he's pointing to a problem so that he can show them the solution. He's setting them up for something significant that's about to happen. So we pick up in verse 7. One of the disciples, Philip, answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. And so Philip's this disciple, he's probably one of the more calculative and logistical administrative disciples. He's really going through the numbers and he's thinking about it. He's like, hold up, not even 200 denarii would feed all these people. No, what's 200 denarii? For them, it's like six to eight months wages. Six to eight months wages. In fact, in the NIV version, it will tell you that's more than half a year's wages. Imagine working half a year, even more, saving up your salary, not touching a dime of it, and then using that on one meal to feed people. And the point is, nobody in that crowd, not the disciples, nobody had the resources or ability to feed over 5,000 in one meal. Nobody. It was impossible. And yet, we learned there's this boy. There's this boy. We pick up in verse 8 and 9. It says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, well, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? What are they for so many? Now, if you've ever heard this story, and I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with the feeding of the 5,000, we're usually taught that here's this boy with this really small meal, two fish and five loaves. That does nothing. It's a measly meal. 
But I wanna, I wanna challenge that. Let's stop for a second. Is that really a small meal? Think about this, a little kid with two fish. How many of you guys eat two whole fish for lunch? The common fish in that region near the Sea of Galilee where they were is tilapia, it's called St. Peter's fish. When we were in Israel last year, we all got a meal by the Sea of Galilee. We ordered tilapia. Half of our adults couldn't even eat half of it. They're that, they're that big. This little kid eating two of them for a meal. And then on top of that, he's got five loaves of bread. You know what you call that? That's a whole lot of carbs. How many of you guys eat five loaves of bread for lunch, right? Now, the truth is we don't know. John does, doesn't give us the detail as to if that's a big meal or a small meal. Maybe it was tilapia. Maybe it was sardines. Maybe there were five loaves of bread. Maybe there were just five pieces of pita. We don't know. But here's what we do know for sure. Whether it was a big meal for a little boy or a tiny meal for a little boy, regardless, it was not enough to feed the crowd. It felt miserably short. It was insufficient to meet the needs of everyone in that crowd. It's impossible. But God, but God is a God of miracles and he is the God who multiplies. So here's how the story ends. Let's read from 10 to 14. Jesus said, now how the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given things, he distributed them to those who were seated. So, also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Now, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets. Note that word 12, okay? Highlight that with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when people saw the sign, note that word sign, the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. And so there you have it. The famous feeding of the 5,000 with the two fish and five loaves of bread. And you look at this story and you have to ask the question, would God ever give me something that I can't handle? Would God ever give me something that just seems impossible, a task, a responsibility that I can't handle? And the answer is absolutely. Absolutely. Why? So that he could then enter the scene and do the supernatural. 1 Corinthians will tell you he'll never give you a temptation beyond what you can bear, but that doesn't mean he won't give you a situation or responsibility that you can't handle. He does that all the time. Why? So that he can enter the scene and do the impossible. So why do I share John chapter 6 with you in my first message as your senior pastor? I share it with you because people always ask me, are you ready? Do you have what it takes? And my answer to that question is no. <laughs> of course not. I don't have what it takes. I'm like a little kid when it, comes to trying, when it comes to trying to feed the multitude and trying to care for the needs of all the people who come in person to South Bay Community Church and the many more people who watch online from home and call this your church. Now, you can argue all day. You can argue with the person next to you whether or not you think I'm gifted enough for this task or if you think I'm not gifted enough. 
And you could go back and forth and you can conclude that I'm either, I've got what it takes or I don't got what it takes and I'm telling you the truth. It doesn't matter what you conclude. It doesn't matter what you think. Why? Because whatever I can give, even if it's a lot, it will fall miserably short. It is wildly inadequate, completely insufficient for the task of caring for all of God's people. Just like the boy, if it was a lot or little, it didn't matter. It was way over his head and it was way too much for him. But can I offer what I got and give the gifts that God has given me back to the people? I can, but if I can offer it, I will realize that my gifts by itself is sadly insufficient. It is wildly inadequate to feed the masses to save the lost, to open the eyes of the blind, to give life to the dead, and to give people what they need. But God, God is a God of miracles, and I know that he can multiply and care for his people. So can I share with you two observations from this story that I find great confidence in and makes me excited about the journey ahead for SBCC. Can I share with you two observations? If you're taking notes, here's the first one. God will carry his people. God will carry his people. And that means God will feed his people. God will nurture his people. He will nourish his people. He will care for his people because God will carry his people. Now, I hope this speaks to you because I don't know what season or situation you find yourself in. And I'm wondering for some of you if maybe you're in a season where you're feeling unsure about a current responsibility. Maybe you're about to go off to college in the fall for the first time and that's making you anxious. Maybe some of you are about to be first-time parents and you've never done it before. Maybe you've been asked to fill a ministry position. Maybe you've given a leadership role. Some of you guys have been invited to mentor somebody and you feel like, I do not have what it takes. Maybe you've been given a team to manage at work, and for some of us, I'm willing to bet right now we're feeling really ill-equipped, we're feeling insecure, and we're lacking confidence in ourselves. But God, but God, do not forget that God is able to take what you willingly offer to him and surrender to him, and when you do so, watch what God can do through you. Watch the broken get healed. Watch the hopeless find hope. Watch the lost get saved. Watch eyes of the blind be open. Watch how you can help encourage the weary. Watch how perhaps through you, God will help satisfy a person's hunger for eternity. The hunger of their souls. If you would just surrender all that you have to the hands of our master. Our miracle worker, watch what God can do through you. And when, when, when I say I believe that God will carry his people, the people he might be entrusting to you right now to help lead and minister to, when God cares for his people, that includes you. You're his people too. Did you notice that when the disciples were going out and helping Jesus to feed the crowds and they're giving out fish and bread, it says they were all filled and then there were leftovers. So he tells his disciples, go fill baskets with all the leftovers. How many baskets did they fill up? Twelve. How many disciples were there? 
12. And I don't know if that's just a weird coincidence. Maybe it is. But I'm wondering if Jesus had them in mind too. Like Jesus was saying to his disciples, and I got you too. I got you two go baskets. Fill it up. Take it home. Take care of your fam. Get filled. Because not only are you helping care for all the people, but I'm caring for you too. And so God, I believe, through Christ's son, will fill in where you fall short. He'll provide strength when you feel weak. Our God will carry his people. You know, when people ask me how I feel about carrying the weight of this church upon my shoulders, and that's often the terms they put it in. I think back to when I was in uh, youth group. As, as a youth, we would have Friday night Bible studies, and I'll never forget this illustration our, our youth leader gave us one Friday night. He said, you know what? He, he took a cup. He says, this is you. You're like this cup. He says, this is you. It's, it's got its weakness and limitations. And then he said, he took one of these. You guys remember these back in the day? Transparency machines, overhead projectors. He's like, sometimes you'll go through life and there's something so much bigger than you and greater than you and that's you. <laughs> right? Isn't that, what a great youth pastor. This is you, Greg. This is you. And he says, that's what it's like when you have something bigger than you. Do you ever feel weak? Let's get a little transparent here. <laughs> you see what I did there? Let's get a little transparent. Do you ever feel weak and, and insecure and you're fragile and you feel like you got this responsibility upon you and it's going to crush you? You cannot handle it. You know when people ask me in this season how I feel about carrying the weight of the church? I tell them, to be honest, I feel confident. I tell them I don't feel worried. I don't feel anxious. Why? Because I am fully aware, and I sincerely mean this, I'm fully aware that God knows what I can give. He knows how much I have to offer. I know he's a God who multiplies. He can miraculously take the little I have and multiply it to care for his people. He knows what I got. But I'm also confident because he also knows what I don't have. He knows my weaknesses and he knows my limitations. And I realize that's okay. You know why? Because even though with my weakness and limitations, let me show you why I can feel confident. Come here. Come here. This is why I can feel confident. Come on. Come on here, guys. Help me out. I can feel confident about trying to carry the weight of this ministry because though I have weaknesses and limitations, I am so thankful that I'm not even trying to carry this by myself. I'm so thankful that we have a huge kids crew ministry and I'm thankful that I have Mandy who can help oversee not only the care of the children, but the army of volunteers it takes to run the kids crew ministry. I'm thankful that she can do that when I can't despite her weaknesses and limitations. I'm so thankful that Lauren is here as our worship director who's leading us spiritually. What? <laughs> oh, I'll take your cup. Yeah, I'm thankful that we got Lauren here who, who's able to lead us and she's able to carry a tune because I can't, right? She's able to lead us into worship week after week. I'm thankful for Carlton, who is such a faithful man who's got these abilities to run operations and, and administration, and yet he has a heart for people, so he helps run the men's ministry and the marriage ministry with his wife, Debbie. I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for Pastor Dan, 
who's helping train and equip and, and, and organize the life group ministry of the church, which is such an important ministry in this church. That's where we grow in discipleship. He's focused on that when I can't be. I'm thankful for Lisa, who's in our office, who helps wash the phones, and she does all these tasks and things around the office that I can't give my attention to. I'm so thankful for Pastor Dave, who has been on the staff longer than I've been alive. Before I was born, he was here. And I'm so thankful that, that he's caring for our young adults when I can't as well as he can. He's helping with our global missions. I'm so thankful for Pastor James, who has been caring for our young couples. He's been doing premarital counseling, a lot more weddings and funerals, and he's our caring counseling pastor, so he's taking all these counseling calls that I can't always give my attention to. I'm so thankful for Brian, who's a recent addition to our team. He's our facilities guy, so some of the seats arranged in here was by his help, along with Lisa as well, Lisa as well, and, and he's helping set up for events that we hold so that people can be ministered to. He's doing that when I can't. I'm so thankful for Pastor Caleb, who's our executive pastor. And with him, we're able to sit and really think strategy and think vision of the church. And as I communicate it to you through teaching, he's going to help implement that and execute that. He's here to help care for our staff as our chief of staff when I can. I am so thankful for Nicole, who helps oversee our tech ministry. I'm thankful that she's technical because I am not. So that's why she is tech Nicole. And so... <laughs> I thank God that she's here on our team. I thank you for Sherry, who has uh, come onto our staff, who's helping direct our funerals. She's overseeing that big ministry of our church, and she's also assisting Pastor Dan with the life groups and doing so much to help Pastor Dan when I can't. I'm so thankful for Todd Hoshiko, who's overseeing our, our youth, our high school and our junior high ministry. He's so faithful to care for them and to shepherd them when I can. And I'm so thankful, and I'm sure Todd is too, that Sally is here to be by his side to help with administration, using her gifts of helps to help Todd as he cares for our youth. I'm so thankful that I'm not alone. And when something so much bigger than me and bigger than us comes, like the way of ministry and is upon us, we're not going to crumble. Amen? We are not going to crumble. And ministry is going to keep on coming, and we're going to have to keep on serving with our baskets. And maybe people are going to come to us with their baggage and their issues in life, and it's going to get really heavy on us. And maybe we're going to be rocked by difficulties and cultural conflicts that are going to come our way. Then people are going to just drop on us the weight of criticism and all their opinions. They're going to throw it on us. And then every week, I'm going to have to keep on studying the Word and prepare messages week after week and yet I am so confident that God has gifted many people in this church to help carry the weight of the ministry so that his people will be carried and I wish I could bring so many of you up to the stage because so many of you are styrofoam cups who surround them I wish I could bring everybody to stage. I can't, but I know that this church is full of people who are committed to making Jesus known and making the gospel, gospel known with your gifts and your service, and I thank you. This church has never, ever been about one person, and it never will be about one person. It has always been built up by the power of God 
through the work of his spirit and the faithfulness of servants who are using their gifts that God has given so that God will carry his people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you help me one more time honor these faithful servants who serve you day after day after day? Now, get back to work. Go. (laughs) Keep serving your people. Thank you. So that's the first point I want to make. God will carry his people. I have full confidence in that. Here's the second thing I want to point out from this scripture. Can I get my Bible? Thank you. All right. Second point is this. God will glorify his son. God will glorify his son. You know, many years ago, uh, this pastor shared this illustration that really resonated with me. And I want to uh, personalize it and modernize it because I know we have some young people among us. But I asked some of the pastors, who's the most recognizable hero of our day, of our culture? And hands down, they said, Iron Man. Anybody here watch Iron Man? Okay, there's this epic scene I want to show you. And there's something really, really important in the scene that I want you to take notice of. Okay, so I'm going to show you this clip. Pay close attention because I don't want you to miss it. Check this out. Don't miss this, all right? Pay close attention. There it is. Did you see it? Pause it, pause it, pause it, pause it. Did you see it? Let me rewind it, okay? Go back to that scene. Go back to that scene. All right, right there. Did you see it? That girl in the front row. Let me, let me highlight her for you. That girl, did you, did you get? Did you see her? Didn't she do such an amazing job? She killed it, didn't she? Can you imagine if you were that girl and the first time she was in the movie theater with all her friends and family watching the premiere of Iron Man and as this scene was approaching, can you imagine how she felt? She's like, guys, guys, it's coming. My part is coming. It's coming up. It's coming up. And when that quick scene flashed, there I am. Did you see it? Did you, did, I was there in the front row. And everybody's going to be like, Right? Can you, I, I'm sure that girl bought this on DVD or has it on her computer somewhere, and she invites her friends over from time to time, and she shows them, hey, guys, I was an Iron Man. I was an Iron Man, and she fast-forwards to that scene, and every time she gets to that scene, she'll pause it. I'm right there, front row. And everybody would be like, whoop de doo No, 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 you don't understand. I, I was there from the early morning. We were there for 10 hours of shooting, and I did my makeup for three hours, and we sat there in the hot sun for eight hours, and, and, and we were there. Then when the camera started rolling, I was the most energetic, and I was the most full of energy, and I, I, I crushed it. I was an Iron Man. And everybody would continue to just be like, whoop de doo Why? Because everybody around her knows Around her nose, it's not about her. (laughs) It's not about the girl. What does everybody know? That this movie is about who? Iron Man. That the hero, that the the, the star of this story is Iron Man. Nobody remembers that girl. Nobody even notices she was there. Iron Man is the hero. Did you know that the feeding of the 5,000, this story in John chapter 6, is the only miracle other than the resurrection that's recorded in all four Gospels, the only one, that's written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why? Because it's significant. 
You know, there was this church years ago that was doing a sermon series, a biographical sermon series on people who encountered Jesus in the Bible, different characters. And so they invited me to come and they said, hey, uh, Greg, would you speak on the boy who had two fish and five loaves of bread? And I was excited because I was like, I've never heard a sermon about the boy with two fish and five loaves of bread. I would love to study his life and, and, and develop a biographical sermon and teach it to your people. So I said, yes. And so when I started preparing that message, I began to freak out. I started freaking out why. Because as I was trying to go through the Bible to learn about this guy's history and his story and who is he, I realized there is nothing in the Bible about the boy with two fish and five loaves of bread. He's nowhere to be found except in one verse, in one chapter of one book. That's the book of John. So I want to show you that moment again. I don't want you to miss this, so pay close attention, okay? Careful attention. It comes in verse 9. I'm going to show you this really quick. Here it goes. Verse 9 says this. It says, there is a boy. There he is. Pause it. Pause it. Look, look. Let me highlight it for you. There is a boy. There he is. Did you see him? Who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And the story goes on, and he is never mentioned again in the entire Bible. Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't even mention that there was a boy at the scene. They don't mention he even exists. John mentions him, but he just says, here's a boy. Doesn't give us a name, a last name, no family, no accolades, no age, no background. There's no biography on the boy. Why? And as I studied it, I realized I know why. Because the story isn't about the boy. It's not about the boy. And the boy and what he had to offer was simply a platform for God to display the glory of his son. His name is Jesus. In verse 14 of this story, John says after Jesus performs this sign, he calls the miracle a sign. And in the Greek, the word sign is the word semeon. But do you know in the Greek, a sign is exactly what it is in the English. It's something that points to something or identify something that's what a sign does so for example some of you are new to our church this morning I want to first of all say to you welcome thank you I'm glad you're here I'm glad you found us and I would ask you how did you find us I ask all of you that how did you find us and you'd probably say oh we, we looked online on Google or Yelp no no but how did you find us physically I'm sure that when you got in your car to find this building, you're driving down 190th, and what are you doing? You're looking at these buildings on 190th, and you're looking for a sign, a sign that says South Bay Community Church, not Pet Access Hospital, not storage, et cetera, but you're looking for South Bay Community Church, and when you saw it, it was pointing you to this building, that this is the place where South Bay Community Church meets, that this is what you're looking for, is identifying this as SBCC, and that's how you knew this is where I need to be. That's what signs do. And that's what the gospels call the miracles of Jesus. He wasn't just flexing on people. He wasn't just like, hey, blind, see, hey, lame, walk, just to show off his power. No, but he was doing something so that it would point to what? That it would point to Jesus as the Messiah. They were signs indicating this is the Son of God. This is the Savior of the world whom you are looking for. That's what the miracles were. They were signs. 
And so Jesus performs this miracle in John chapter 6 where he miraculously multiplies the food to carry his people. But let us always remember it is not about the kid. I can imagine that kid's like, but do you guys remember that one time when Jesus fed the multitudes? It was my fish. Do you remember that time when I, I fed the people and I gave my lunch so that everybody would be careful? No. He knows and everybody else there knows it's not about the boy. This is a time when Jesus fed the multitude. It was pointing to the glorious son of a mighty God. And his name is Jesus. That's what this story is about. It's all about his glory. This story has always been and will always be about Jesus. And that's what this church is about. It's about his glory. It has always been and will always be about Jesus. Let's never forget that. When Pastor Gary started this church 30 years ago, they, they formed a team. They, they were on this mission to help people find and follow Jesus Christ. That's the mission. What will the mission now be going forward? To help people find and follow Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. Nothing's changing. We're going to help people who are spiritually lost and pray with all our hearts that they find Jesus because of who we are and what we do. And for those who have found Jesus, if you have found Jesus, keep coming because we're going to go deeper in, in following him, praying that we help each other become lifelong, fully devoted, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We're going to help people find and follow Jesus. So what does that look like specifically? Well, that looks like a lot of things in this church. Every ministry will be about that. But one thing in, in particular is next week we're going to kick off a new sermon series where we're going to feast on the book of Ephesians. So come and bring your Bibles and we're gonna go through the book of Ephesians and if you found Christ, we're gonna eat of his word, the bread of life and be nourished and we pray that your knowledge and your understanding of Christ will go deeper so that you would love him more and follow him harder. And if you don't know Jesus yet or you have a friend or family who doesn't know Christ yet, bring them, invite them because we're gonna be aware that there are still people in this world who have not found Jesus and we'll break it down into bite-sized pieces so that bread of life can be digestible so that they can, 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 can taste and see that the Lord is good. We're going to help people find Jesus and if we found him, we're going to keep following him. It has always been and will always be about Jesus. That's what John chapter 6 is about. That's what my story is about. It's what your story is about, and that's what South Bay Community Church will always be about. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, to answer the question, do I have confidence in what I can give to this church? Not at all. Not at all. At least not in and of myself, but my confidence, and I am full of it, is in a miraculous God who can take what we have Take what you have to multiply it to reach the nations. He is able to do that if we surrender it to the hands of our master. And I learned that. I learned that 20 years ago when my dad asked me that night at the dinner table to go preach to the Long Beach Rescue Mission. I'm telling you, I cried. And I'm not exaggerating. That's, those tears were not figurative tears. It was like a big, embarrassing cry. So I'm this 23-year-old son, and it was so embarrassing that I was crying that hard in front of my mom and dad, I couldn't 
take the shame. It was embarrassing. So I got up, I left, and I went to my room, and I just remember in my room, just by my bedside, and I'm asking God, what do I do? Like, what do I do? I really, really do not want to go, but I believe you're answering my prayers. And by the way, when you ask God for something, be careful, because he answers, right? And so I'm like, I I don't want to do it, and I'm just crying at my bedside. And my dad, a few moments after that, we don't have a lot of moments like this, but he came a few moments, he saw me in my room, and he just gets down by my side on his knees, doesn't say anything, but just starts praying. And he just starts praying that God would give us courage and strength and boldness to preach his word. God, would you give us your Holy Spirit to make Jesus known? That was a prayer for him as he's going to San Francisco to be a pastor. That's for me as he's wanting me to go to Long Beach. Just help us, God. So I was convicted. A few weeks later, I go to Long Beach Rescue Mission. Not full of confidence, not with this boldness, but absolutely scared. So scared that I made 20 of my friends come with me. I told my friends from church, my youth group, and, and my college ministry, I said, you guys are coming with me, and you guys are just to sit there. And, and I didn't bring them to be my cheerleaders or listen to me speak. No, I said, you guys just sit there, and you just pray. Just pray for me. And so I'm giving this message. There's like these 20 Asian American kids in the front row. They look way younger than everybody else in the seats because Asians don't raise in, and so they look like kids. And as I'm giving my first ever gospel message, I see, it's encouraging, I see all these friends of mine with their eyes closed. (laughs) I don't know if they were praying or they were bored because it was so boring, but they had their eyes closed. And I have to believe that they were praying because at the end of the message, it came the part that I dreaded the most, the altar call, where I had to ask people if they wanted to respond to the message and receive Christ. So it comes to that point, and I say, okay, so if anybody wants to just respond and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, then raise your hand. And I, I couldn't bear to look. I didn't want to look out of fear of failure. I didn't want to look at the lack of response. But when I raised my head, I saw hands, hands, hands go up, hands. And it felt like, like a majority of the room was responding. Like God was doing something. There were some people who didn't raise their hand. And I said, okay, maybe there's some of you who have committed your life before. And, and you've backslidden. You've fallen away. But know that God forgives you. You're a God of grace. So if you want to recommit today, he'll, he'll receive you. Raise your hands. And more hands go up. And all of a sudden, people start standing up, and people start coming down the aisle to the front, to the altar to receive Christ and to receive prayer. All these men start pouring to the front that I couldn't pray for them. Also, my friends, help me out. Would you pray? And so my friends go around. They start laying hands on people and ministering to people. It's kind of like a scene where you have disciples going out and caring for people's needs. I'm telling you, I will never forget that first message. I will never forget it. In my mind, it was a miracle. It was impossible. But I watched God carry his people. Connie Lou was there. She uh, was attending my church at that time, and she attends South Bay now. And some of you guys know her from the nursery or maybe the Ohana ministry. Her husband, Johnson, serves in the, the youth ministry. But she was there that night. 
And she sent me an email the very next morning. And here's what she wrote me. She said, I just want to let you know that I think God used you quite well last night. You wisely stayed away from playing the part of the evening's entertainer and you correctly wove stories with the truth. She says, I hope your future experience will bring you even more humble confidence in him and boldness to proclaim his truth to the ears and hearts of any audience. I love that. I hope your future experience, this is 20 years ago, would bring you even more humble confidence in him and boldness to proclaim his truth to the ears and hearts of any audience. If there is any way you can pray for me, I'd like to ask that you pray that I just be filled with humble confidence. Humble. That's when you realize you ain't all that. Confidence is when you realize God is. You're confident that God is. I'll never forget that first message where I felt like a little kid who had very little to offer. I'll never forget that feeling of inadequacy, of being insufficient, not fit for the task. I'll never forget the feeling of not knowing enough, not having gone through enough, not having enough to offer. I'll never forget it, but God. I'll never forget that God is able to take what little we have or what much we have to give, but he's able to even multiply that to care for the multitude. If we trust that God will take what we have, then we know that God will carry his people and he'll do it to glorify his son. So I cannot wait to see what God does with the future of this church. Amen? Amen. Amen.